Hello, Merry Christmas, Jovial Kwanzaa, Happy New Year in advance, assorted other seasons greetings. Hanukkah, Hanukkah. That's right. Oh yeah, right. That was Not very good. So many things. They had uh, they had uh, a display in here. Actually, they yes. had a Hanukkah party in here on. I want to say it was the third. It was a Hanukkah, and they lit a candle on the third, the second yeah, candle. Yeah, that's that's right. They had um, because we helped set that we helped set that up. We helped but helped with the the banner and so forth. Nice. On, with on the menorah. My well, rabbi said that Santa gave the like contributed to having the the lamp. Oh, very nice. Which is funny because Santa. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> sort of like is it. Because it's St. Nick. There's there's layers to that one. We'll return to that one. Uh, this is the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. This is our actually our last episode of 2018. And we're going to kick it off for you with an interview in fine form as usual with Jason Carmen um, on his 16th f- uh, short film, uh, Lion in Waiting. Lions in Waiting? Which is a hockey... Uh, lions in... I know what plural is! I'm good with nouns. <laughs> Lions in Waiting, which I just which I just watched over the weekend, which is actually kind of interesting because my friend Riley's in this. And um, it is a, how would you describe it? It's a coming-of-age film centered around a hockey rookie. Yeah, it's um, it's my thesis film at UBC, and it's, um, it's a coming-of-age film about an Asian hockey player who gets haze, and that complicates his um, coming-out process. Um, it's not based on an, on on anything. It's not based on me being a hockey player, um, but me um, kind of trying to understand my identity in a in an um, uh, in a mainly Caucasian competitive uh, environment. Uh, and um, uh, and yeah, Riley, uh, uh, who is a UBC acting graduate. Um, uh, came out uh, on our last audition. We were having um, issues trying to find um, our, our love interest um, for for our main character. Um, who knew that uh, casting uh, uh, a hockey player who happened to be gay was going to be challenging today? Mm. <laughs> and this was, and uh, I got I gotta say that this is very interesting considering. So you've done a lot of short films that have a very distinct um, queer theme theme material. And I'm wondering if there's any sort of through line here, if there's a way you choose to approach these themes across your body of work. Uh, I mean, the basic inspiration is my contemporary queer adult life. Um, as as I was coming into my own, I just didn't see the uh, I didn't see stories of myself reflected on screen. Um, I think there were queer stories, but they weren't necessarily queer Asian stories. And um, I mean, I grew up in the 1990s, and I saw um, Philadelphia and Lilies and Beautiful Thing, uh, which was great, but they, I, th- there were no Asian characters. So it was hard for me. I, I, I didn't understand until much later why I was feeling um, uh, less than and ashamed um, uh, until, uh, yeah, just recently. I, I was able to reconcile those feelings and become a bit more confident. As a result, so. Do you feel like the media landscape here, especially around portrayals of queer characters, is racialized because of that? Yeah, I I think for some reason it it's not deemed, um, I guess, uh, commercially viable to have uh, stories of um, uh, stories of, of Asian characters in in um, uh, in, in media. Uh, I mean, specifically, I I think. So let me just rephrase this. I think stories do exist. It's just that mainstream, um, straight, and gay media, um, they don't pick up on these stories because it's not viable. It's not um, popular enough. Uh, And I think it is changing, but in the past, that was not the case. And what does the sort of setting in an athletic, uh, what does the sort of athletic context of this film add to that, or does it contextualize it a certain way for you? Um. It's. Um, I think it adds to that because um, because sports is is um, uh, in in sports it's very it, you're it's you're it's fl- fight or flight uh, and um, just see well for a lot of let me just take a step back here for um, uh, 
a lot of the stereotyping that happens with Asian characters is that they um, they don't normally go into sports and um, uh, and the arts, uh, especially and queer characters, especially they, they don't go into the, into the sports. So I think um, I'm sorry, I'm not quite sure. I'm getting tongue-tied here, and I no, apologize. That's, as, as, I, I think it's an int- very interesting dynamic because sport is a, it's very obviously. There's a lot of very macho posturing in a lot of professional sport, whether it's like football in the states, hockey here to a degree. Like I think the way I was looking at this, I've been rewatching Letterkenny recently. I love that show, and there's two recurring characters. For those who've seen Letterkenny, who are hockey players, and they're um, like they're they're kind of. Uh, the, as a duo, they're uh, very like they're very, uh, very, op- very outwardly very heterosexual guys. But a running gag is because of the they're in a lot of extremely homoerotic situations with each other and in the context of their sport, but they can't realize it. And that's that is played for comedy there, but it also does highlight a very certain thing about this is troped as a very uh, characterized as an extremely masculine and extremely homophobic arena on the other hand but on the other hand there's like very homoerotic situations found therein and that's been remarked upon quite a great deal right right so i mean uh now i understand no, sorry now i'm go- going back to your original question um about which L- one lgbt in sports <laughs> okay right um i apologize i don't always go on the radio often so um uh, the, it's it's the idea that to be perceived so in sports if you're if you're vulnerable and you're weak you're you're often associated with being um, uh, queer or um, not being good enough and um, and so I think there's opportunities um, to to change that mindset that uh, well, uh, athletes can be vulnerable they um, they they can get into they, they can hug and um, you know, uh, show uh, express well, um, camaraderie in, in in a way that doesn't um, mean that they're 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 weak or gay. So, um, yeah. And this film seems very much about when I when I watched this film, I saw a definite message about communication in it. I, I would say more uh, uh, explicit than the the racial and the sexual politics of it, because there's this very um, very real relationship and very kind of sad but also developmental relationship that the main character has with his mother. Uh, sorry, what, uh, so what, what's, what's your question there? Well, the, the, my question is, like, uh, do you, I, because part of it is as he's coming of age, he finds it very difficult to m- communicate with his mother and his father is not in the picture. Do you think that kind of communicative constriction has a, a lot to do with both with athletics and with understanding the identity of LGBTQ teens? Um, I mean... <sighs> Uh, I actually didn't make um, my my the, the mother in my film is is actually quite supportive. Uh, the um, many of the yeah, I mean the, the the tone of the film is 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 not is not depressing or bleak at all. No, uh, it's not. Um, I what I was trying to get at is 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 role models um, and uh, and the absence of uh, of a father figure in in my in my film and how that affects. Um, the the, uh, the the hockey player. I think um, I think a lot of athletes uh, look up to their parents and coaches for um, f- uh, f- for role models. And um, right now, um, in our time, certain things are allowed to uh, we're, we're we're allowing certain things to get away with um, because of. Um, specific people who uh, are allowed to get away with them in 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 a political atmosphere um i uh yeah does that answer your question i'm not sure yeah it, it does and i i as a follow-up to that because this does contain a very like it's it's a rather it's a deeply un, it's an unsettling scene of hazing and it, and that informs the events of this was there a specific incident you have in mind there or what what in particular informed the hazing in this film uh, yeah, so the hazing actually was inspired by an in, uh, an, an incident in um, Ontario in 2014, where two boys were uh, were urinated on, and then they um, they objected to it, and uh, and 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 uh, 
Um, why? Because he was... Um, no, nah, the rooks, bud. Uh, well, be, be, because he was demeaning and yeah. uh, and um, shameful, um, not to mention, you know, all the other things um, to break down the individual in order to um, in order for the team to to function. Um, I just find it very interesting that um, that there's this mentality uh, to in order to create solidarity, uh, one must commiserate around trauma. Um, and um, uh, anyway, the, this incident in 2014 um, um, happened without any phones. And um, fast forward to 2018, and you, you, you see what's happening in uh, St. Michael's College out in Toronto, and um, at, where, where hazing is happening, and then people, kids are, are, are videotaping it. So in, in, in my film, um, uh, the hazing incident is taped and it goes viral, and so the coach um, has to step in, um, not only because it's uh, it's shameful for the, the the team, but also he's acting on behalf of the association to to um, clamp down on, be, on the behavior and and recognize that it is not uh, it's not it's not great behavior and then they there's a point in this too where they go to him didn't you do that back in the day and he can't really he's like yeah but but it's different he's got because it's you know it's an um, unfortunately it's very systematic yeah it's uh it's ingrained um and uh i mean i would uh i would say that it's uh with that line, I wanted to acknowledge that it happens, and 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 then there's a there's a that our leaders or the the coach is basically ag- trying to move uh, forward instead of um, bring up the past um, because um, I'm sorry, I'm just not uh, I'm having. Uh, I'm I'm a bit nervous. I apologize. So. No, that, that that that's fine. It happens. If if we want to, if anybody wants to check this out, just on on their own, where can they find that? Where can they find this film? Where can they see it? Uh, it's actually uh, now available on uh, Out TV um, on the Out TV Go network, uh, uh, Out TV uh, Go um, platform. Um, so yeah, you can check it out there. Um, otherwise. It's still going through the film festivals. Yeah. All right. So if you're seeing a festival and see it on the program, definitely check it out. Celebrate the holidays with a uh, interesting drama about LGBTQ teens, hockey, and hazing. Thank you. I, I need to shorten that slogan a little bit. Yep. Uh, we're just going to take a short uh, commercial break, a short PSA break, and then uh, we'll be back with assorted other holiday features, some fun stuff. Uh, reflection on a burlesque puppet cabaret, which I will never be able to remove from my mind. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's the thing. This is the life I have chosen. Jason, it was fantastic to have you in the studio. Thank you. Cheers. We shall be back momentarily. The BC government now covers medications that could reduce your chances of contracting HIV by 90%. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis and is a preventative measure that HIV-negative folks can take to reduce their risk of becoming positive. Health Initiative for Men suggests that if you have had sex with a partner with HIV, have had a recent STI, have multiple sexual partners, have a history of inconsistent or no condom use, are currently involved in sex work, or have had repeated courses of post-exposure prophylaxis, then you might want to think about looking into PREP measures. CATR and Discorder are not medical professionals. Please refer to your doctor for more information. one way that old clunker is going to make you feel good again. Donate it to Bullying Canada. Check this out. Free towing or pickup of your old vehicle. A tax deductible receipt and a super easy process. Online at bullyingcanada.ca. Get rid of that old vehicle and feel good about supporting real solutions for change in your community. Donate your old or used vehicle to Bullying Canada today. Full details online at bullyingcanada.ca. 
so where did we leave off? Oh yes, the uh, the, the 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 burlesque puppet cabaret. I want to hear about that. Yes, uh, I, I assumed that was a little bit of a hook there when I said burlesque puppet cabaret. Did I mention it was a burlesque puppet cabaret? Hey, what? Yeah. Um. So this was actually so this was down at the review stage, and so this is a review. So we did a shout out for this. Uh, last show, and we were pretty psyched about it then because it, it, it's just an exciting thing um, to be able to say burlesque puppet cabaret as I have been doing uh, over the course of the past few minutes. However, um, however, <laughs> uh, it was did not really do justice to the experience of the triple XX the. Triple X. Triple. Now you're just doing it on purpose. Yes, I. Yes, I am. Triple X Miss Puppet Cabaret at the Redgate Review Stage. Now, this was actually put on by a collective of puppeteers and comedians, all doing some very interesting stuff on this on on the show. And there, I do have to say this: there was. A very interesting array of, uh, of of female puppets and uh, male-ish puppets uh, all presented. Uh, okay, there's no way to get around this. One guy got a lap dance and a blowjob from a puppet. <laughs> not one puppet, not, or one not, audience member. Not not literally, not literally, but uh, he, as in it was mimed. And this guy was an audience member. Uh, brought up, and he got a uh, a lap dance from uh, Dandelion Wine, I believe. Yes, Dandelion Wine. Is that a stripper name? Uh, it, it's it's spelled D A N D E E L Y O N. So yeah, I'm assuming. Well, it was a stripper puppet, and then uh, <laughs> then there's Fluffy Tenth Street, who I think might have been my favorite puppet, and she's like, oh, you know, sort of thing, <laughs> like very much this. Um, boozy kind of burnt out delivery very funny she had mm-hmm. some she had some good ones you had a funny version of santa baby sort of riffing on the uh on the uh on the on the on the thing and then there was mindy the mermaid who's just drowning people like just in the fine tradition of mermaids and sirens everywhere huh luring them into her trap and then that, leaving them today that was the myth was it not yes um and there was a few – there was one thing that I do really feel was interesting about this, and that was that uh, – okay, put it to you this way. Have you ever seen Avenue Q? Mm, maybe. Like, uh, what are some – like, what, when you think of puppets in fiction, like, what are some examples? There's, like, a cool uh, puppet show, um, like a satire one. Ooh, I'm thinking of Eminem's um, video clip. With Triumph the Insult Comic Dog? I never seen it. Uh, yes, like yeah. That. Okay, so that was Triumph the Insult. Oh, yeah, Jeff Dunham. Yeah, that was who I was trying to remember. It was Jeff Dunham. Um, this wasn't Jeff Dunham style, but it was, you would be reminded of it in a certain way. And that's primarily because I can still vaguely remember when Jeff Dunham was a household name. I cannot. Because no? I don't think it was ever a house name. No, <laughs> Ahmed the Dead Terrorist. Okay, I just said. Oh, right. Because that one, that one was big. I remember. And do you mean like the design of the puppets was reminiscent of that? Uh, no. This, or also this the pu- humor. This puppet design was. Um, they were larger, and the puppets were. I, I do want to say this. I don't remember Ahmed the Dead Terrorist very well, but that was very much sort of a verbal gimmick. The people doing the puppeteering here were doing a very physical sort of thing with it. Yeah. And the uh, the person who I think really deserves. Um, uh, a claim for this uh, is Ingrid Hansen, who is a found puppeteer. And what so, is a found puppeteer? So she makes the puppets out of like things. So she oh, awesome! And she can make them move in such a way it's very hard to describe. But she created a love story between uh, a pair of underwear and a sock. Amazing. Um, that actually, it was funny. It was. Well, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say, you know, erotic, but the underwear and the sock were going at it pretty intensely. And then uh, the sock gets shamed by a shoe uh, and then hangs himself. Oh, no. And then this ends with a double suicide. 
and it's because the underpants follow suit. Yes, and it's so sad. It was it was it was sad. It was touching. And then she closed the show by you know how you can do the it's really hard to do on radio because this is an auditory medium, but you can draw along the web space of your hand like the upper side of your thumb and then around and then sort of the underside of your draw index finger and then create a mouth with it. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, so she did that. Like Kenny Fran Lopez on Eric Carson hands. And her, her, do you know that? I don't know. Taco, taco, burrito, burrito. Come on. Never mind. I got the. F- I, 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 I don't know how we got racist. It might have <laughs> been not with me. the Ahmed. It's, it's South Park. I was the one who brought up Ahmed the dead terrorist. I can't really. That's right. Who brought us down there? I can't really provide any criticism for that. But what Ingrid Hansen did, yes. I gotta say, with the to end the show was. She, she has drew this, a mouth yeah, on her Yeah, on it. So she created a hand puppet with that. And then there was a marker in her other hand. And that hand puppet uses the marker to draw a lover on her shin. To okay. basically draw a mural on her shin, which it falls in love with. Like it's That's that, so funny. What was that Derek German movie that starts with the guy trying to have sex with a Caravaggio painting? Merry Christmas. Uh, no, not that one. And eventually this ends with... You think in burlesque for for puppets. This ends with her finishing the show by the the um, a puppet basically drew an art exhibit across her breasts. Okay, there are a few ways for me to All sum this up. All these things happened in the show. Yes. Oh wow. Which is a short way of saying if this happens next year, hard yes, we're seeing it again. How come I didn't go? I feel so bad. It like, was there was a moment when you said. Who wants to go with me? And I was like, oh, finals. I had finals in my head. And then I didn't go. Yeah, and that's that's the time of the year, though. Like, that's perfectly reasonable. And in all honesty, honesty, if you were to... However, actually, yeah, if you were to trade your academic well-being for the chance to see a guy get a lap dance from a puppet, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but you would have to think about it. Um... Okay. I'll tell you what. Maybe, when, maybe in my bachelor's. <laughs> now, now I have to be serious. I, I would have school. to think about it. <laughs> which really tells you something about the life I have chosen to it's live. Very problematic. Yeah. It's, it's, we, we, we keep using that word. I don't think it means what we think it means. Worrisome. It is worrisome. It's, I, just, I just enjoy that Princess Bride quote quite a lot. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this was very interesting. If you can uh, check it out, especially uh, Ingrid Hansen. But wait, didn't you say it was a one-off? It is, uh, but if you can definitely check out, especially Ingrid Hansen's work, I just throw a thing across the studio that explains the impromptu sound effect. Uh, if you can check out Ingrid Hansen's work, yeah, I really do recommend it. She is very impressive, like just to, she, the way she creates the motion with these, these small things, the way she really gives these um, found ob- objects life. And she does it with her voice, too. It's very interesting to watch. It's very, very... She's a really fascinating performer. Mm-hmm. So if if nothing else, definitely check out her work. Um, really find her on the interwebs, as you do. At, on, on, on the online, on the online... Oh, yeah, the mating game. I forgot to mention this. Remember how I said there was audience participation in this? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, so I could have volunteered to be in it, but I... I uh, didn't, but the, there was a thing called the mating game where there was one male and one female audience member are brought up it, after each other, oh and there's a panel of three puppets. Okay. And for the, I think it was the female audience member, it was the Cheshire Cat, uh, this Merv the Poet puppet, uh, with a very sort of shrinking violet voice, you <laughs> know, uh, and Carol Channing. And the guy doing Carol, the Carol Channing puppet, you know, Carol Channing. Oh, I think that's just lovely. I got your diamond here. I. It sounds like she sounds like a pirate when I do it, and kind of when this guy did it as well. But it, it, watch some mystery science theater. There's a lot of great Carol Channing impressions out there. Um, I actually that wasn't so much an impression as a mental breakdown. But yeah, Red Zone Cube was a weird movie. <sighs> Spaces between the words, Jake. Um, but. That sort of rogues gallery continued with the male contestant who had the three female puppets that I. Wait, just what mentioned. were they doing? So, oh, it's 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 the mating game. So it's like a Chuck Barris show. It's like they have to answer questions, um, and like one was the the Cheshire Cat, and it it's and it gave cat answers to questions. So he said, "What would you do on a romantic night out?" 
Well, I'll probably rub up against your leg a little bit, then ignore you for the rest of the evening. Nice. So the competitant, the female audience member, had to ask them the puppets questions? Yes, and the puppets would answer, the the, people, the puppeteers would answer them in character. And it was awesome. pretty funny because Carol Channing won that one. And then um, there's a male audience member came up, and it was Dandelion Wine, uh, Fluffy 10th Street, and The Mermaid. How do you remember all the puppets' names? Because I, I, I really don't know. Okay. I, I, I have Maybe a, that's your talent. Quite possibly. Uh, the, the Dimitri Martin has a bit on useless talents. If I could find the soundbite for it, I would play it right now. Um, I also just read it off the press release. That might be a factor. The um, And between the three of them, I figure the playing field was a little more even. I mean, mermaid, homicidal, fluffy 10th street, alcoholic, dandelion wine, named dandelion wine. But... You know, it was, it was, and I, I think that Dandelion Wine won that one. And I'm thinking, you know, that would be the thing that if you're just going to try and predict a dude's response to that would probably be, this, my syntax was not good there, that that would be the predicted result for, like, just the assumption of, like, heterosexual guy, Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's not still funny. No, oh, no, 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 it was still funny. <laughs> It was still funny. I, he also got a lap dance from Dandelion Wine, I believe, towards the end of the mating game. Sounds like she really likes giving lap dances. Well, so the, the puppet, it's a stripper puppet. I don't know if that's clear. Yeah. 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 yeah so so there's that. I, I, I personally probably would have gone for Fluffy 10th Street, but this is not the way I should probably take the show. So, yeah. Who would you think would have the edge in the mating game? The, the Cheshire Cat? The, the puppet? For me, it would be the Cheshire, Cheshire Cat. I like yeah. that kind of mysterious, wacky stuff. Carol Channing. And cats. Even if his voice sounds like this. I'm in. So okay, in. very good. <laughs> very lugubrious. Okay, now I'm just sound weird. Did you walk out of the show like dazed? Like what just happened? Well, I was kind of crossfaded during it, so a little bit. Um, too much information? They had um, the sponsors for this actually did make some rather good gin, which they had available there. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a very good show, and I would recommend it. Like, it was interesting because uh, I do believe that the people who designed these puppets also made the puppets for also made the puppets for Avenue Q a couple of years ago, mm. uh, which would be a different which would be a different kind of puppet. Um, similar tone of the show. That makes you. sense because usually, like I used to work work with puppets back home, and usually the people who who do them, they're like artists and they're the ones that make puppets because they're just so good at that what kind of stuff did you make did you make any i was working in a studio and we were doing like um um explaining about environmental issues with puppets really cool. yeah so i got to sometimes you know like work on little elements on the puppets or fix stuff it was nice how did how did that play out like was it like uh the, there's a puppet globe or puppet oh there are a lot of carbon things. emissions or Oh, uh, we were we were talking about a lot of issues through puppets and a lot of like politically incorrect humor. It was fun. Oh, always fun. I feel like the that um, South Park has opened up a lot of avenues for that with animation and puppetry. I feel like. Oh my god, I love South Park. Are you into the the last season, like the one that's now airing? South Park is as old as I am, and um, I have about as much res- respect for South Park as I have for myself. That doesn't sound very good for South Park. Well, thank you. <laughs> I was going to say it was conditional, um, but I have, like, I, I respect Matt Stone and Trey Parker, but there's a lot of things about South Park that just, in terms of style, just don't agree with me. Like, it, But they're still so on point. Like, every episode is, is just so satisfying. They just did, like, one of the last ones was about, like, you know, Cartman is a total bitch and he doesn't want to handle anybody, talking to anybody. So the doctor diagnoses him with... I'm sorry, I'm going to be politically incorrect as always. Do you ever content warning? I don't know. Uh, so he <laughs> he diagnoses him with um, anxiety. He's like, I'm too anxious to deal with anything. Like, it's, which is so satisfying to hear because, like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but sometimes people who self-attest to be anxious just use that as an excuse to avoid things that well, all like of there's... us have to deal with. Yeah, and like, well, I think... Anxiety and depression, I think that there is a definite medical grounds for it. I think that there is a diagnostic problem. I think there's also a problem with the pharmaceuticals often used to correct anxiety and depression because the 
you know, they tend to be addictive. And I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the diagnosis being used as a crutch to avoid dealing. And it just hits. I'm worried about the drugs being used as a crutch to avoid dealing. Um, Just kind of the second step to that. Yeah, I just, that's like a whole Pandora box how do you call it pandora's box yeah pandora's box. if we open that well i mean that's i mean it's the holiday season my whole <laughs> point is that south park is still very much on point and i think people who aren't watching it are missing out you know what i like from matt stone trey parker cannibal the musical i gotta watch that <laughs> it's a musical about mary poppins it's about cannibals <laughs> it's, it's uh it, it was it's like a really weird i think that was one they made with lloyd kaufman and feels like it you're too name dropping for me, Jake. The the trauma guy, like the basically them, but not the I I don't know. Lloyd Kaufman's a weird guy. I'm Do, gonna look it up. Does Troma have a Christmas movie? Who? Troma, the Lloyd Kaufman's company. If they do, I probably should mention that. Um, you know who does have a Christmas movie, though? Tell me. A lot of people. Oh. <laughs> oh, and uh, actually, there's some really good Christmas features coming up uh, this, this side of the year, because it is that time. One that I would be really interested in time. seeing, which actually I won't be able to because I'm flying back to Ontario tomorrow, um, is Tokyo Godfathers, which is on at Van City Theater on the 21st, the 22nd, and the 24th. Cool. And it's uh, it's... it's it, it's it's set in in, uh, in Nairobi, uh, no, it's, it's set in Tokyo, uh, and it is from the director of Paprika and Perfect Blue. Um, so if you, I, I do just want to say right now, uh, the Christmas movie and Perfect Blue is a combination that does fill me with some dread. You ever seen Perfect Blue? You ever hear about that movie? That movie scared Darren Aronofsky, the guy who made Black Swan. Oh, okay. Was scared by Perfect Blue. And the guy who made Perfect Blue made this Christmas movie, which does seem endearing. It's about... Maybe he has a, a greater range than you think. Mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming so. The uh, summary is middle-aged has-been Gin, and, uh, aging transvestite Hana, and teenage runway Miyuki are three homeless friends who stumble across an abandoned baby and do their best to care for the infant over the course of a long and perilous night. Say what? Sounds like this would actually be an interesting feature with The Night is Short, Walk On Girl. Probably not. Uh, probably very different movies. I actually don't know as much about Japanese animation as I should, but this is a very interesting concept for a movie, and I would really be interested to see how it plays out. It says it says it's also inspired by Frank Capra and Charlie Chaplin, as well as John Ford. Okay, I made the searchers. Fair enough. Uh, which seems like it sets up to be an interesting Christmas movie, conceptually. And then... Sounds uh, good. There's also a classic cartoon Christmas Ooh. at the Cinematheque, which is on on the 16th, actually. And that's curated by Michael Vandenbose, who did a jazz special, jazz cartoon special that I quite liked. Is it kind of like a parodic self-aware? No, it's like um, a collection of Christmas cartoons. Oh, okay. Like old school Christmas cartoons. There's Popeye, there's Woody Woodpecker, there's, there's um, Sylvester the Cat and Tweety. And then assorted mm-hmm. other icons of ink and paint uh it's actually an interesting title icons of ink and paint just that sounds pretty, like fun yeah it is i really liked the uh the jazz spectacular he curated because there was a cartoon in that one called swing wedding which uh I-, I heard described as energetically racist and uh it is that but i want to put more emphasis on the energetic there because that cartoon is insane there's there's a point where a frog uses a trombone key to shoot himself up. That sounds good. <laughs> Cause heroin. Um, <laughs> Merry Christmas. That's not here. <laughs> I assume either that or Tom and Jerry got really dark. A lot of this old stuff is really psychedelic, like a lot more than you expect. It's beautiful style of animation too. Amazing. Like, I really like very, it. Very sort of soft stuff. I think part of that's probably on the mastering, but it's like... Uh, when is it in the Cinematheque? This is at on the, the 16th at 3 p.m. Oh, nice. Yeah. And Michael Vandenbos is, a, I believe, a UBC film professor, so that's fun. Um, and, uh, like, I, I really do like a lot of these old cartoons because they're just, they're just so pretty to look at. Me too. Now, if you're actually looking for a stocking stuffer, however, there is a small recommendation we can have right now. A stocking stuffer is like a gift? Yeah, like a, in this case, a book. Because I get a lot of books for Christmas. And one book that recently came out is The Absolved by Michael Binder, uh, which is speculative fiction. Binder done that. Hmm? Sorry, I just had to. Did you get it? 
No, I get it. I'm just waiting for the chirping crickets to come in. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing. That's enough. <laughs> the uh, the book concerns uh, essentially a physician who's you know family man, also serial philanderer, uh, in the 2030s. So okay. in the future, he's one of the few people to have a job because huh. labor has been automated out. Of course it has. And there is a the title "The Absolved" comes from a class of people who are. I believe, just left out of the system by it, who are just, they have no job because all the jobs have been replaced. And he becomes embroiled in intrigue when the Luddites, who, I'm not going to explain that one, which are actually a political party in this case, frame him as a terrorist and then things go down. It seems interesting. Um, it seems interesting in the vein of, you know, speculative fiction. You're talking about South Park commentary there. That's an interesting one. Looking, you know, uh, that show has been prescient in odd ways. A lot of cartoons have, really. The Simpsons predicted 9-11. This one um, is interesting uh, to me to look at because there's a video online called Humans Need Not Apply, which a friend of mine showed me at one point, which is about a post, like, a, a, a sort. it's sort of a post-human thought, but it's also a post-labor, like a point where we're all automated out. Uh, and people are seeing self-driving cars as being the herald of that. I remember this because Nathan Narusis in cashless uh, a while back. And again, I'll say this again, that play had problems, but, you know, that had a certain conceptual unity to it. Uh, there's a bit where a character orders a cab and he goes, human driver. And it's little things like that, because people are thinking about this. Like, there's a lot of thought in the discourse about it. I myself choose to believe there are bigger issues to be dealt with in the immediate uh, situation. Rather than... We're all gonna lose our jobs. <laughs> well, I think anthropogenic climate change being what it is, you know, you you, you want it, you want to duct it, you want to tape that broken leg before you start doing sprints. It's sort of the. I don't know if it really works like that. Like humanity doesn't really work as one cohesive team working on one problem and then moving on to the next. But. No, they don't really. No, they don't. But I agree with you. I don't think that losing all the jobs is an. So the world problem. brain is just a hallucination. Yes, definitely. Damn it, last time I do DMT on the air. Shoot. <laughs> I thought it was going great. <laughs> so you're saying that those silver space elves in the corner aren't real. Oh, those ones? No, I see them too. Okay, cool. See, hear that, Jerry? <laughs> he thought he was a hallucination for a second. <laughs> <laughs> he got so confused. Merry, guy. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Speaking of which, Elf is like, I don't know if Elf is on at any point. It probably will be, though. Oh, no, that's too old. Elf? Sorry. No, no, but people will rescreen it. Like, Elf is a movie people have a lot of enthusiasm for. I saw plays of Elf. Like, they were staging it. And actually, that's kind of interesting in light of the fact that the arts club right now is doing Beauty and the Beast. Huh. Through to, through to early January. Nice. Ileana was going to was gonna check it out, but uh, life intervened there. Maybe she will after she came back. Well, the thing about <laughs> my, per my... The way I look at... Um, theatrical adaptations of uh, movies mm -hmm. is that it's um, especially big ones like big very comprehensive ones you're not going to outdo the movie I feel like you're especially if it's an animated movie because you're playing to a very different kind of sensory engagement you're not trying to outplay it it's com completely different mediums yeah uh, yeah and I haven't seen this production so it, and it, it looks like it's going to be very um very baroque, very interesting. But I remember when I saw the Arts Club put on Mary Poppins. And that was very impressively choreographed for Step in Time. Mm -hmm. Amazing stuff. Like, if, that that's like an old review for me. But I remember when I saw that, and I realized that in order to differentiate it from the film, to outdo the film, they essentially had to shoehorn in details that don't really work stylistically and textually. Because that's what the competition is to a degree. That's theater's issue with film, I think, in a lot of respects, is that in terms of, like, full engagement of the audience, it's a different medium. If you're watching a movie, like, you can't do special effects in theater that you can in a movie. Mm -hmm. You just physically can't. And if you try, the shortcomings become apparent. Of course. Because you're, you're literally constrained by what you can physically do. There is no post-production. And... That doesn't mean that theater is necessarily at a disadvantage, but it means the experience is different. And I think that if you're trying to do something very huge, very lush, 
you're going to have a hard time beating a movie and you're going to have an especially hard time beating an animated movie that has no physical constraints. I kind of agree. I w I'm just reflecting on the, the line, the Witch and the Wardrobe that we just watched. Yes, and the line, the Witch and the Wardrobe would be a great example of that because that was a really fascinating staging. And they weren't trying to over to overdo or, or outplay the, the movie. They were just doing like a very, actually a very theater appropriate um, construction. They were, yeah. It was, um, that, that, that still I think is, like I, I really did enjoy that. Me too. Well, one thing I really did enjoy about that, I mentioned this last show, was that the kids were enjoying it. Yeah. You know, I, I do like to see kids going out to shows because I was like, oh, that was me. I was younger. Hmm. You know, I remember seeing Peter Pan when I was really young, and that was really... Yeah, that's cool. Yep, that set the tone for uh, for much of my later conduct. Um, so what else is happening? What else is happening? A whole bunch of things that I will let you know about after uh, we take a short PSA break. Okay. Uh, do we have any Christmas PSAs or... Yeah. La, 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 la. Okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah, I did. Never mind. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema, and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else coming to town there. For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theatre, visit their website at www.riotheatre.ca. You're listening to CITR 101.9 broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. And we're back! We're back! So... During the break, I will, we will get around to there's one more thing, but I do want to ask you about this. You're mentioning a film that Russian people watch on Christmas. Not Christmas, New Year's. Please do. Okay, Please so let me, let me just clarify. I'm Russian Jewish, and uh, many, all Russians, if I can generalize, most of the Russians celebrate New Year's, and it kind of looks exactly like a person would celebrate Christmas, meaning we build a tree and we decorate it. There's a little doll of something that looks like Santa Claus, but it's not. We call it Grandma, Grandfather Frost. Yeah? Yeah, sort of a Jack Frost character? No, he looks exactly no. like Santa Claus, but we don't call him Santa Claus. And if somebody would say, oh, that's Santa Claus in front of my mom, she would like get upset slash laugh at the person because it's not Santa Claus because that's an American thing. Hmm. What I'm trying to do is like differentiate Christmas and Novigod, which is the New Year's for Russian people. Because that originated uh, in USSR while religions, religion was banned. But kind of like the New Year remained as a citizen holiday, as a cultural holiday, not a religious one. So that's why even uh, Jewish people like me, who are Russian, mm -hmm. like me, celebrate uh, the New Year's. So what I wanted to tell you about is that uh, the movie that we watch, the Russian movie that we watch on New Year's, is so funny. It's like... Uh, I can't even translate the name because it's it's what you tell a person in Russia when he comes out of the sauna. There's like a so there's a specific phrase that to you tell someone as to they congratulate leave a sauna. somebody after he went out of the out of the, out of the sauna, and it's kind of like um, take like take the fume easy, like easy fume, something like that. See, because I because I've been in uh, is 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 it similar? In, I've been in a sauna in Finland. Okay. Which I'm imagining is similar. Yeah, they kind of have fight-offs with saunas and stuff. They do the cup where they take out your blood and then they, they give you a bottle of vodka and they hit you with branch or something. Say what? <laughs> no, just a sauna. Finland please. is a weird place. Right, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's Noted. Like, dude, dude is, is there a thing that, in all seriousness, the place where I was at was right next to a lake. Okay. And people would jump into the cold water afterwards so that, yeah, that makes a lot adjust of sense. their body temperature. That well, Canadians will jump into frozen lakes and cold lakes, too. Oh, fuck yeah, bud. 
<laughs> anyway, we already gave the content warning, so. Yeah. So the name of the movie is like what you tell a person when he comes out of the sauna, and it's about check this out: a guy that uh, goes to his um, goes goes back home to his wife or something like that, but his he's he's gotten so drunk with his friends at the sauna they just brought a bottle of vodka chugged it Legit. he got so drunk that he walks into the wrong apartment and like he's imposing on a woman on Nov- on like Novigod on New Year's Eve totally uninvited totally drunk and he's absolutely certain that he's in, in his house in his house and he's like what are you doing here get out of my house wow <laughs> And of course they fall in love. It's a romantic comedy. That's like that's like when you're so drunk you wake up, you're like, okay, who's shitting my pants? <laughs> exactly. It's like a very Russian thing to do. Like, this is exactly the movie I pictured. <laughs> when you told me Russian Christmas movie, I'm thinking What did we say, Jake? Not Christmas? New, New Year's. Year's. New Year's, sorry. Yeah, you're good. Novgrodny. Novigod. Novigod. Sometimes when I try to switch from mm-hmm. English to Russian, I go to Hebrew or the other way around. It's very confusing. Because I was going to say Novgorod, but that's a, that's a city. Uh, Novgorod, think. yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah, city. It's a city my, my father was very impressed by the way that you tell him Dobry uh, Vecher, right? Hmm? You told him uh, Good Evening. You told him Dobry Vecher when yeah. he was here. Yeah. He was so impressed. He remembered that for days. Yeah, well, I, I know I know a tiny bit of a lot. I know a tiny bit of Polish. I know a tiny bit of Czech. I know a really tiny bit of Russian, and I think I know one word in Finnish. Which is I not I can't repeat it on the air. Because <laughs> so I now have you to have translate a, it. A, a little something uh, more in your uh, Russian vocabulary. Yeah. Novy god. Novy god. And and then and the way you say like Happy New Year's is Snovim godom. Snovim godom. Nice. Snovim godom. Snovim godom. That's actually fun. And the name of this movie is... Slochem Param. Slochem Param. Good Steam. Is that, is that, that's yeah, something literal, like that. Good Steam. Little translation. Good Steam. Good Steam, yeah. And so that actually sounds... I, I think I'm going to look that up because that sounds... When was this made? Like, is it... Uh, oh, it's so old. I think it was like from the 50s or 60s. Is, it's, it's in black and white? Or no, is it's it, color. Because it, I, can, I can imagine like that sounds like something that would have been made in like... Maybe it was the 60s. Maybe but, 60s, 70s, but I'm But I thinking. can watch it every year. I don't care. Like, it's it, it's an interesting concept because I do like the <laughs> – it's just that, just completely hammered at the sauna. That's something that's interesting to me, when you get drunk in a sauna. Right? That sounds so extreme. It's an interesting place to, like, get drunk because when I you imagine get, you would get, like, double drunk, it's triple a, drunk. It's like, how can I possibly sweat more? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, I get the, the feeling that we're all really sweaty and can't breathe right now. But you know what? We Let's can bring it up a notch. <laughs> Where's the Moskovskaya? Here you are. Thank you, sir. There. Okay. So I got to check that out. And um, the one last thing, sort of the contribution, the personal interest I had this holiday season, which unfortunately I won't be able to cover, but which I'm very interested in. In, uh, in which I would have been very interesting catching is a very campy Christmas, uh, which is at the Havana Theater. That is courtesy of that I, I believe the, is the event actually called Pack Animals. No, Pack Animals is the group. So Pack Animals is a uh, sort of musical comedy group. Uh, they sort of have kind of a Garfunkel and Oates kind of vibe. You like them? You know the. Kate McCoochie's comedy group. It's it's so much name dropping. Lots, lots of you. I, I take I, it easy on me. I'm new here. It's 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 sort of what I'll try and pull up one of their songs for uh for to to sort of play us out. Okay. Uh, you know it's it's hard to find a good hard to find Christmas songs, man. There are not there aren't enough Christmas songs out there. You know, I think we need a few more of those. You're kidding, right? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm being very facetious. <laughs> huh. And, uh, uh, cash sandwich and last drinks. Is that really? Now, the, um, it's it, Wikipedia, the, YouTube is fighting me here. But, uh, yeah, I, they, it's, uh, okay, I know I really do not want to hear Maroon 5's Animals. No, <laughs> search engine failed. I never want to hear that. <laughs> no, that song is not, I, 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 I don't know how Adam Levine's still around. I really don't. Like, I, Cause he's hot. I, I get that he's a very attractive man. So attractive. But 
this is something I've learned because as we all know, I'm I'm a virtual Adonis, and the second I open my mouth, like people realize I'm single. So I, I've heard Adam <laughs> Levine sing, and I really can't help but think there has to be a similar correlation there. Okay, maybe I'm being too hard on the guy. <laughs> I'm being too hard on the guy. I think it was last year I ended the Christmas episode teeing off on Chris Brown because that would be topical. Uh, Wait, what, it's, uh, what is Very Campy Christmas about? Very Campy Christmas. So it's a cabaret show. It's on at the Havana. Thank you for getting me back on track. December 18th to 22nd. And this is the copy for it. And I was really intrigued by this. Ever been to a disastrous Christmas pageant? Ever got your tongue stuck licking a frosty pole? Stormed out of your house mid-Christmas party? Yellow guy just can't take it! Join the pack animals for a brand new holiday adventure complete with campfire songs, puppets, uh-oh, and untrimmed trees. What is that? I think the untrimmed trees is a euphemism for something, but I can't think what. What? What could it be? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a subtlety thing, you know, beyond me. <laughs> hey, there's there's a lot of things that I do like about, like, these, these sort of cabarets because, you know, like there's – well, with the puppet cabaret, I think this was sort of kind of seen in cartoon because there's puppets. You can do things, like, with puppets that are kind of just yeah. weird. But it is, it is really a variety show. You get the musical things. You get monologues. You get what is basically stand-up. Like, you can see some really interesting things in that. And I like variety shows for that reason because I feel like at this point in our media climate, variety shows are kind of warranting. I don't know if they're gone necessarily, but they do kind of warrant a comeback, at least in the sense of, like, not even Ed Sullivan, but even earlier than that. Like, you, you get, like, these shows where you just have, like, a bunch of random acts, like, I'm going to sing a song! I'm going to tame a lion! Here's footage of my mountain climbing trip. Okay, maybe not that exactly, but you see what I'm saying. Like, it's like a sort of a... Yeah, it is fun. It's a smorgasbord. There, there, used to be, there used to be a lot of those because people didn't know how to program things on TV, so they're mm. like, yeah, just throw them out there. <laughs> just have Milton Berle MC it. And that's kind of like all refined. The format is something specific. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it could be fun to just, like, do whatever, see whatever on stage. It's kind of funny because one of my favorite shows is The Young Ones. It's a, like, it's a British show from the 80s. It's really weird. Okay. It's a famous uh, show, but they got a huge budget for it because they got it listed as a variety show. So they had to book a musical act or an alternative act every show. So they had, of their episodes, they had, like, great musical acts. They had, like, uh, Motorhead. I think they had The Damned on one show, Rip Rig and Panic, um, Madness. Nice. But one show they couldn't get a musical act. So at the last minute, they go through studio going, who can we get? Who can we get? Who, 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 who here has an act? Guess who they got? Some production assistant. A lion tamer. No way. With actual lions. Yes. So they had to make a scene where they had to burst into a room where several lions were just lounging about and there was a tamer with a whip. And they were like, no. nope. And it is just one second, it is like a two second scene, but it counted. Nice. And that lion tamer was like, look, we got some lions. What are we going to do? We're going to film us running into the room and then leaving. You don't want to excite the lions. I know that's why we're going to leave. <laughs> Something like that. Watch the young ones. It's great. Uh, Sounds funny. I mean, like, there's, it is that time of year again. We haven't talked a lot about Christmas comparatively uh, on this, but it, it does occur to me, like, you know, there we have these rituals. Like, every year I watch um, Love Actually and the Grinch. Every year you watch a man bu drunkenly bumble into someone else's house and fall in love with his occupant. I am really going to check out that movie. Yeah, shoot, it's so like, fun. That seems like it's going to be hilarious. Uh, and... Come to think of it, The Grinch is also about a home invasion, so maybe I should consider that. Mm, the Grinch is cute. What you were saying about the rituals? It's, it, it really is interesting because there is so much music and so much media made for it, and a lot of it is very cynical. It really is, but there's also some... Because of that, I think just because of the percentage, like Sufjan Stevens' mm. Christmas album does prove this, is that if you are sincere about it, it does cut through. It really does, because... It is still something where there is genuine feeling about it. I haven't listened to that. It is really good. I highly recommend it. I'm going to go home and listen to it. He, he really loves Christmas. I love Sufjan. Yeah, he is, he's great, yeah? Come on, feel the Illinois. <laughs> I, just, I just enjoy that album. Yeah, me too. Um, so, yeah, Sufjan Stevens. I was going to play us out with uh, a couple songs. I don't really know who to play us out with. Maybe Sufjan Stevens. Sufjan Stevens? Okay. 
let's see let's see about that one there because I was originally going to do a it wasn't that bad <laughs> no I was originally going to do a grateful for Christmas by Hayes Carl which is I think what we did last show at last Christmas season or oh, okay. might have been the one before that I'll um, do the same thing grateful for Christmas is a great um is is a really great um song by Hayes Carl um but this is Sufjan Stevens' complete Christmas co- collection here, and I'm just trying to see which one. Let's see. Well, whatever you're celebrating, I'm wishing everybody a really nice holiday mm-hmm. and some special quality time with yourself and your family and your friends, however you choose to spend this time. Yeah, and this is Sufjan Stevens' I'll Be Home for Christmas. I'm Jake Clark. I'm Margarita. And this has been The Arts Report. Last episode of 2018. Have a Cheer. great new year. Cheers. Snow and Gordon. Snow and Gordon. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema, and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, 
all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theater, visit their website at www.riotheater.ca. Xin 